Tonight is Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. We are coming off the heels of 24 hours ago. There was a ladies' night at the P. Rose house. Oh, yeah. Where Christy and Cassidy brought a fantastic teaching that is blessing this entire church. Right, husbands? Amen. They were teaching the women about the Greek word eresko. You know, being sincerely pleasing to the Lord and becoming the crown jewel of true beauty. Ladies, did you learn something? Well, hey, that, that was built upon what we learned from Monday night. Yeah. Monday night, man. Jeremiah chapter 11 and 12 in foundation was off the chain. Kind of good. Off the chain by learning about the ketubah. The contract that God has with his people. And did y'all hear and remember that declaration about the Ketubah that you are agreeing to the contract well before you know what all the terms are? Well before you know all the ways in which it's going to play out. You're just saying yes to the mighty king of all the earth. Hey, that's a demonstration of trust. Because he is powerful. When we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death, then we become like him in his resurrection life. Well, Sunday, we learned about ancient laws. Those ancient laws were mile markers. They were indications along the ancient path of his judgments. And that Hebrew word that we learned for judgments were mishpat, right? And that those mishpats were a comfort and they were a strength. In fact, we read from Psalm chapter 119, verse 50. And we'll have to remind you of something from that. Go ahead and turn with us there. Psalm 119. We're going to read verse. We're going to begin at verse 50. Somebody say ancient paths when you get there. Psalm 119 and verse 50 says this. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me unmercifully, but I do not turn from your laws. I do not turn from those ancient paths that you, that you have, Lord, because I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find great comfort in them. Come on, anybody find great comfort in the word of the Lord and the ancient laws that he has? See, on Sunday, we studied about the mile markers in your journey. He learned that these ancient paths were given by God and he, give, and he gave ancient laws along the way so that you would understand, you would be able to measure your progress, you would be able to see what was coming and be able to move rightly according to the godly judgments that he brings. Yeah. You learned on Sunday, you were reminded that, that God's words are your life. Amen. They're not just part of your life. They don't just bless your life. They are the very thing that sustains you. And it's his words that will cause you to be able to have right judgment about what's coming along. Man, aren't you glad that we can have right judgment today? Aren't you glad that what God has given you? I mean, think about it. Pastor just went over it. Every day this week, every day this week, you can have divine, heavenly manna, heavenly bread that's given to you to sustain you. And that has not even talking about what you're studying. That's just what you're getting from the pastors and, the, and our teachers on Monday night, our ladies meeting on Tuesday night. Man, his words are our life and they are producing in us the right kind of discernment where you can see where you're able to differentiate between what the world has and what God actually has for you. It's almost like his word can discern and judge between the thoughts and the attitudes of your own heart. Man, aren't you glad that that's what the word of God brings? We've got something that's even uh, further along these law, uh, further along the path of the ancient laws. Turn with us to Proverbs chapter 22, and you're going to look at verse 28. You're going to say ancient paths when you get there. You know, pastor, I'm so glad... That the word of God is living and active because it's the very thing to help me be the same when I, I don't want to be living and active. It gets me stirred up. It gets me going. It gets me off the couch and walking in the ancient path, advancing his kingdom. Are you ready to learn more tonight? Are you committing to do more when you leave tonight? Let's, let's go. Proverbs 22, verse 28. Do not... Move an ancient boundary stone. 
set up by your forefathers. Now, the plain, surface, most understandable meaning of this text is do not move the ancient boundary stone. Thank you. Yep. Don't you like when God makes things really plain to you? We need it. Is it true? The, an ancient boundary stone was a marker of an inheritance. It was set up from ancient times to outline the ancient past. So whenever God called his people to settle in the land that he has promised, he told them to set up the allotments, which were defined by the ancient boundary stones. And that, that outline or that ancient boundary stone gave the perimeter of everyone's inheritance. We much see this in the kin today of fences. You go on somebody's ranch here in, uh, somewhere in South Texas, you're going to come upon a fence. It'll be the same kind of fence all the way through. It's letting you know it's something that's already been established many, many years, probably or more likely before you were ever born. Been in place for hundreds of years. Where you go into the Middle East, and particularly the region of Israel, you're going to see ancient boundary stones that have marked out the inheritance. Well, the admonition from heaven is to never, everybody say never. Never. Never adjust the ancient boundary stones, no matter how tempted you may be to do so. There's no negotiation of their placement. God put them in place, and they are to never be moved. Now, that sets up a correlation. A correlation of your relationship to these boundary stones. See, your relationship to ancient boundary stones signify your relationship with the ancient laws. It signifies your relationship of the ancient laws on the ancient path, which is ultimately aimed at what is your relationship with Yahweh God like? Are you looking at these ancient boundary stones and contemplating relocating them because of what best suits you for in that moment? So that really lays out the title for tonight's sermon. And that is ancient boundary stones. Everybody say ancient boundary stones. Ancient boundary stones. Now we're reading to you from Proverbs, which is around 1000 AD. We're going to go back even more ancient than that. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 19 and let's look at verse 14. Say ancient boundary stones when you get there. Let's get ancient, Pastor. Let's I mean, get, let's get even ancient. more ancient than vinyl LPs. There you go. Deuteronomy 19, 14. It says this. Do not move your neighbor's boundary stone set up by your predecessors, by your forefathers, in the inheritance you receive in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. What you heard pastors say and what we want you to help, and right here at the beginning, it's going to help you throughout this entire message, and it's going to help you in your understanding as you walk from this place tonight, that the boundary stones have to do with an inheritance. Yeah, they do. The boundary stones have to do with what God has set up as the inheritance for his people. And he sets a very hard line. Somebody say hard line. He sets a hard line with his people and said, you are not allowed to move your neighbor's boundary stones. It's been set up for a reason. I've got a certain location for you. I've got a certain assignment for you. I might even have a golden corral that I want you to be able to inherit. I've got something for you and I've already thought it out. The God of all creation, the one who's giving us the ancient laws, is actually also giving us the ancient boundary stones. And he's saying, don't you move it. You might be tempted to move it, but I'm telling you ahead of time, don't you dare move the ancient boundary stone. Now, let me give you a context for this. We pulled one verse out of an entire chapter. And actually, you'll understand more about it if you understand what became before this verse and what comes right after this verse. Yeah. In the beginning of Deuteronomy 19, it is speaking about cities of refuge. Wow. Kind of an interesting way to start the chapter, isn't it? Yeah. You couldn't have imagined that we'd be talking about boundary stones tucked away in the heart, in the middle, in the center of this chapter. But they're talking about cities of refuge. In case that you ever did the unthinkable and accidentally killed a fellow Israelite. Accidentally. Accidentally. I mean, they literally talk about in this passage of if you're swinging an axe and the axe head comes off and it kills a fellow Israelite, you better start running. But it's given you a place that you can run to. Home base. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, this is, this, this is base. This is a safe place that you can run and you cannot be killed for an accidental death. By, verse, by chapter 19, verse 11, it begins to talk about no longer accidental deaths, but what happens into these cities of refuge if you intend to kill someone. It actually starts in Deuteronomy 19.11. Like a 19.11 handgun. It talks about a man who, who begins to hate his neighbor in his heart. And then he lies in wait. And then he makes a plan and then he kills somebody. By the way, Jesus is referencing this exact passage in Matthew chapter 5. He's saying, you've heard it said, don't kill your neighbor. Don't kill someone else. Do not murder. I'm telling you, do not hate your brother in your heart. Jesus is talking about this passage because he's getting to you before your hand commits the act. Yeah. He's getting at the heart that would cause that. Yeah. Man, I love the way the Lord does that. Yeah. You are supposed to have no pity on the kind of man who intentionally, who walks through that process of hatred and lying in wait and plotting and then murdering. You're not supposed to have any pity on the man. And then the very next verse says, do not move your neighbor's boundary stone. Hmm. Where'd that come from? Wait, is that just a random thought that they're having? Oh yeah, by the way, talking about murder, uh, don't, don't move your neighbor's boundary stone. And then it goes on to talking about bearing false witness. It talks about you have to have two or more witnesses. You cannot harm somebody on the testimony of only a single man. What are we talking about? Why would the, the thought of not moving an ancient boundary stone be placed there? I'm glad you asked the question. You are such an astute group that you always seem to ask the right question. And I'm so glad you did in this point as well. Because moving your boundary stone has to do with a hatred that's in your heart about the allotment that God has granted you. You begin to f bear false witness against the God who assigned it to you. It's almost like it is equating having a murderous intention for selfish gain. And it goes against the very nature. God's establishment of justice according uh, on the ancient path, according to the ancient laws, is messed up when we don't understand rightly the importance of the ancient boundary stones. Man, what an interesting topic for us to be covering tonight. And I promise you that this is going to be very, very relevant to everyone in this room. Let's look here as we continue to develop the idea in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Say ancient boundary stones whenever you get there. When you have crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God is giving you. Set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write on them all the words of this law. When you have crossed over to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. A land full with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And when you have crossed the Jordan, set up these stones on Mount Ebal. As I commanded you or command you today and coat them with plaster. So when Israel is being uh, told here, when they're going to progress along the ancient path and they enter in the land of Canaan, that they are then to start possessing. This is a directive from the heavenly realms through God's ancient laws that a stone was to be set in place with all of these commands on it. Now imagine, imagine you just get through crossing the Jordan. These stones are set up. It's plastered and it has all these commands on it. Why is it put there? Is it put there just for your generation? No, it's put there as a forever reminder of what God expects the people to do and how they are to live in the land that they are to possess. It's to lay before them the blessings and curses, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. But particularly here on Mount Ebal, having these things listed. Well, look a little bit further down in chapter 27 and see what would have been on this large stone on Ebal. Curse, as verse 15. Curse is the one who makes an idol, a thing detestable to the Lord, the work of skilled hands, and sets it up in secret. 
Then all the people shall say, say it with me, amen. So we start with a declaration of idolatry. All right, we progress forward in verse 16. Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father and mother. Then all the people shall say, amen. amen. All right, you guys are with me now. Verse 17, it continues. Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone. Wow. Then all the people shall say, amen. Now, just to make sure, sometimes I got to you know, put the, the, the simplified preschool jigsaw puzzle pieces together. And make this make sense. So we have idolatry. Is that wrong? Yes. yes. Okay. Then we have dishonoring your father and mother. Is that wrong? Yes. All right. So third on the list is do not move your neighbor's boundary stone. How serious is God about this subject? Come on. It's a very serious matter because it's an ancient matter. It relates to God's establishment of who he is, what he has determined. Come on, as a father, if I say that this towel is going to go in this spot in the bathroom and my children disagree with me and relocate it, I'm going to be a very upset father. Because even about that matter, I have set this boundary stone in place. Don't move it. It's a serious matter. Isn't that right, Emmy? Yes, she's listening now. These words were to be proclaimed on Mount Ebal. And the people were to listen, and there was a command for them to respond. There was an acknowledgement of these things that were happening. And really acknowledging the seriousness of what was being declared. They were saying amen, and amen means so be it. So basically this is what happened. Let a curse fall upon the idolater. The people said amen. Let a curse fall on those who dishonor their parents. And let the people say amen. 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 Let a curse fall on anyone who moves the ancient boundary stone. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Well, what happens is that the furthering laws that are declared is like, hey, also, curses anybody who leads the blind astray along the road. I mean, that's just cruel and sick in and of itself. But it's sandwiched between these horrific things. And it goes on to talk about extreme levels of sexual immorality, withholding justice from foreigners and widows. It's a very serious matter. So when we're just talking about moving an ancient boundary stone, it's not a matter of just kicking a rock over a couple of feet. It is doing something that God abhors and that he hates. We're going to show you a specific example. And the Lord has already shown it to you tonight. Let's all turn to 1 Kings chapter 21. And let's look at, we're going to begin in verse 1. 1 Kings 21 and verse 1. And somebody say, ancient boundary stones when you get there. Marlon, you heard directly from the heavens during worship when you quoted this. It says this. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. So we're going to be talking again about... Naboth's vineyard. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So we're dealing in the northern section of Israel, and we are talking about King Ahab of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, hey, hey man, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard. Or, if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. The king of Samaria wanted the vineyard. He wanted the inheritance of another man. Yes. In order to appease a whim. A whim. A personal gratification. Just something that he thought might bring convenience into his life. Look, I'm the king. I'm here in my palace. Your, your property happens to be close to mine. I would really like some more vegetables, so I'm just going to, I'd like for you to give me your vineyard. I, I mean, I'll go ahead and give you a better one. I, mm. I'll go ahead and pay you whatever you say it's worth because I can do that because I'm the king of, of, of Samaria. But I want your inheritance. Man, can you start to immediately think back about, about stories about Jacob and Esau? Selling birthrights for something simple yeah. and, and something that was assigned to them, an inheritance. This is about inheritance. It's not just about an ancient boundary stone. These things must be connected. In exchange, 
in exchange for what you can do for me, I, I can do something for you. Now, just like the first part of this might remind you of Esau, when you talk about, start talking about exchanging something, what would a man give in exchange for his own soul? Maybe some of the things that we're dealing with tonight are more than just about a, a, a rock that, that is going to get moved. Maybe it's more than just a fence line. Maybe it's about something that is trying to exchange something inside of you. Maybe it's an enemy force that's trying to get you to sell out, to not have a hard line of what God has for you. Just go ahead. I mean, I can give you something better. Anybody ever been tempted by something better? Of course you have. Of course I have. Anybody ever get tempted by a job that seems better or, or a house that seemed better or a car that seemed better or a situation that seemed better? See, the enemy might be trying to get you to exchange what God is doing inside of you for a temporal bowl of beans, better vineyard. <laughs> and what God is doing is he's trying to wake us up to this tonight. Yeah. He's such a good God for us. He is claiming and declaring to us he is working in our lives as a church to make sure that we get to the inheritance that he has assigned to it think about the man Naboth anybody that's your favorite character in the word of God anybody in the room anybody anybody know much more about him than he owned a vineyard you might know a few of the verses that come up but that's about all that you know about this guy I want to tell you that I, I, I kind of fell in love with Naboth this afternoon Studying about him, thinking about him. This was a man who understood the ancient laws regarding the ancient boundary stones. And he took his stand. Somebody say, take your stand. Take your stand. And he took his stand with deep convictions that there was no better vineyard other than the one that God had assigned to him. Oh, we could just close this thing down tonight if y'all got it right there. There was no better vineyard that is possible other than the one that God assigned to him as his inheritance. There was no place that he would rather be than standing exactly on the inheritance that his forefathers yeah. had established. The ancient inheritance that God was giving Amen. him. There's no price that could be paid that would match the worth of what God had already assigned him. Come on, are you starting to feel where this is, where this is in your heart right here? There was no better place. Naboth's reply is incredible. <laughs> Naboth replied, the Lord forbid. Yahweh himself forbids this. Not I forbid it. Not my grandfather. Not my grandpappy. Not my grandmammy. God forbids this. And this man is speaking to the king. Yeah, he is. And he's saying, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Come on, what happens when the men in this and the women in this room start to rise up and go, wait a minute. See, God is doing something. He's working it out inside of me. He has set some boundary stones. He has set some things and they are of ancient times. And who am I to move it? Lord forbid that I should start looking for something different than what God has already assigned to me. Yeah. In That's some other word. land, in some other way, in some other pen, in some other vineyard, I just want what God has for me. And Naboth has this. His relationship with God was reflected in his relationship with the ancient boundary stones. I'm going to say that again. Make it come alive, baby. I'm, I'm going to say that again. Naboth's relationship with the Lord was reflected in his relationship to the boundary stones that God had placed in his life. Yeah. See, we want to kind of divorce those two ideas, but I promise you, it's not divorcing. It's getting really, really laser pointed tonight in this room. You got to learn how to hold on to your inheritance. You got to learn how to rightly deal with the ancient boundary stones. Let's take a look at verse eight. So he has said this to the king and then the king goes home and he mopes. He literally doesn't eat. He's all, his arms are crossed is the way the picture is in my head. Jezebel comes in. Oh. Did I, did I forget to tell you that Ahab's wife is Jezebel? Yes, the Jezebel. And she comes in and says, hey, I got a plan. Why aren't you the king of, of, of Samaria? You're the king of Israel. Why aren't you acting this way? Don't you worry about it, honey. I got you all taken care of. Verse 8. So she, meaning Jezebel, wrote letters in Ahab's name. 
That's a mistake in and of itself. That's not being the kind of woman that Cassidy and Christy spoke of on Tuesday night. That's not Yofi. Rescos. So she, Jezebel, wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters, she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting, and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. But seat two scoundrels opposite him, and have them bring charges that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. This is a wicked and devilish ruse. It's a stratagem of Satan speaking through Jezebel herself. And it actually shows the intentionality to avert and deviate from God's ancient boundary stone. You see that subversive, greedy, manipulative nature that's at work? It's in both Jezebel and Ahab, that she is usurping the authority to manipulate something that she really wants and that her husband wants, but is too much of a coward to actually go and, and deal with it. But she starts this ruse with a false pretension, a false pretension of religion. Hey, let's, let's declare a fast. Let's all seek God's face and, and reverence and holiness and repentance, right? So, she proclaims a, a day of fasting. There's a false level of praise where he's seated in a prominent position in front of everyone. We're going to take this lowly guy who's been living next to the king's palace, and we're going to seat him in a high and exalted place. Beware of flattery. Yeah. Beware of flattering lips that want to exalt you, and there's no real clear reason what the, the motive is at the moment. That should send up a red flag and go, wait a minute. This sounds like a very familiar ruse, a stratagem that's trying to set me up here. Be careful of both external flattery and internal flattery. Yes. These are ruses of the enemy. Well, that's all to position Naboth and you for a false accusation. See, we want to make sure that Deuteronomy 19 is seen clearly in what's happening here. Because we were, we were looking at Deuteronomy 19 and going, it's obvious how much God hates the moving of ancient boundary stones. And, but look at what everything else that surrounds in Deuteronomy 19. This one, seemingly one command of don't move them. Well, it explains in this story how they all culminate together. Because in this story, you have a malicious intent to shed innocent blood. That's exactly what's occurring right before the scripture at Deuteronomy 19, 14 about moving a boundary stone. Then you have false information, a false witness that is being presented there. And how many of those witnesses did she say to use? Two. It's almost like she read Deuteronomy itself and saw the ploy of how to twist, twist and manipulate God's word in order to get something that was false. It is, this story is declaring everything that Deuteronomy 19 is saying to avoid. And it all started with Ahab's desire to move a boundary stone. I just want that man's inheritance. And because he said no, because of his deep convictions, then I'm going to manipulate God's word to try and literally twist his arm, if not his entire life, in order to get what I really want. <clears throat> As you're reading the story, you're going to learn how much Naboth is a hero. How much he is a, a model, a man of deep convictions that would stand up to a king and say, the Lord forbid that I give you the inheritance of my ancestors. What do you tell your inner fleshly thoughts? You tell them the same thing that Naboth said. The Lord forbid that I give you the inheritance that I received from my forefathers. Because Naboth had a deep conviction of God's ancient boundary stones. And to the extent it cost him his life. The ancient boundary stones are non-negotiable points that God has established. They are not to be altered or moved. No amount of bribery from an enemy 
could move Naboth. And no amount of bribery can move a real man or woman of God. There is a commitment to the inheritance, a holding on to the inheritance. See, Naboth would not exchange God's inheritance for an alternative. He would not exchange the ancient path for a byway, something that would just run parallel right up to it. I'll exchange this for something better. Oh, no, no, no. Naboth didn't have that attitude. See, the boundary stones themselves are your inheritance. Looking into the mirror of God's word in this story, you should see ancient boundary stones as the allotment that God has ordained for you. And there's to be no moving of the boundary stones of what you've been assigned and a portion. When you are willing to move a boundary stone, it is a sign that you are dissatisfied with what God has assigned to you. You're dissatisfied with God's allotment. And even to the point of willing to be lost or losing your very life. That's the extent of deep conviction that you have to have to avert getting on the byways of something that's an alternative. Come on, let, let me talk to some of you ministry training two class tonight. Can you see why that God is so involved in not moving boundary stones? Why? Because he cares about the land and he cares about the people of the land. He's actually got it assigned. Every 50 years, you'd have a year of jubilee in case you sold a piece of land so it could go back to the rightful owner. Aren't you glad that there are lessons that you can learn from Israel in every kind of way? That you can look to Israel as our, as our older natural bloodline brother and you can see what God is after. But let's make this very practical for us tonight. Yeah. Not but. And not replacing what I just said. We're just adding to it to make sure that let's we're getting to, to it, it tonight. You have an inheritance that God has allotted to you. Yes. You have boundary stones that God has set up for you. And they are incredible when God has put them. But pastor, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I get the idea. I'm not supposed to move boundary stones. But, but what does that mean for me? I mean, I'm not sure about what my boundary stones are. You've been given a mezuzah. Has anybody in this house been given a mezuzah tonight? Yeah. Then you have a boundary stone that allows you to know where God has put you. Has anybody in this house gotten a family banner? If you have, then you have a boundary stone. Has, anybody, has God sent anyone here to this house at LCM? Yeah. Then you have boundary stones that God has set up for you so you can know where that you must be and where you must begin the fight and not let any other thoughts pull you from that. I want to tell you that boundary stones to our Western mind, the idea of an ancient boundary stone may sound confining to some of you. Well, this is all that I could do. This is, this is what I've been limited to. Yes, those are probably the same ones of you who hate having a budget for your finances. The person who's not very good at keeping a budget finds a budget to be limiting, constricting. To those of you who've learned how to operate within it, it gives you great joy. It gives you great freedom. Somebody say freedom. Freedom. What do you mean? It means it's a budget. Yes, that means you've told every dollar where it needs to go and you've prayed about it and God has helped you to prioritize every single dollar that you get in. See, your boundary stone, you have to look at it and say, this is not a restriction. While you may find out things that you cannot do, what you are trying to do, what we're trying to define for you tonight is the very thing that you can do. Amen. The very place that God has for you to experience freedom. The very first comment in the Garden of Eden was you are free to eat, Amen. but don't do this. Within your boundary stones, you find freedom. You find an actual ability to run, to find satisfaction, to find contentment, to find joy, to find everything that God has for you. Goodness gracious, church, your relationship to the boundary stones, to these ancient boundary stones, is like a mile marker of your maturity. Your relationship to the ancient boundary stones is like a mile marker of maturity. What you think about where God has put you right now, your desire to be somewhere else, 
to do something else, to go somewhere else, to have something else, to be something else is a sign of your actual maturity in Christ. And we're going to help you to mature tonight. Pastor Matt is going to propel you because he is so gifted at doing that. It's almost like it's one of his boundary stones that he has. I'm going to do my best tonight to equip you and to empower you to be what you've always wanted to be in Christ. We're going to help you tonight. And I've got a, a very obscure verse that I'd like for you to turn to. I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 16. Psalm 16, and we're going to look at verse 5. Somebody say ancient boundary stones when you get there. It says this, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You alone make my lot secure. You've defined the borders. You've given me the place that I'm supposed to be. I don't even have to guess that I'm supposed to be anywhere else in the world. I can have the confidence that where you have, you have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me. In pleasant places. Yeah, they have. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Amen. Do you see how the word of God attaches the boundary stones with your inheritance of what you are to receive? I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. We are raising up a church here at LCM of men and women who will not be shaken. Do you want to know how to never be shaken? Boy, I'm I'm reminded of Hebrews 12. I'm reminded of so many different places of Psalm 125 that say that we will not be shaken. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us worship him with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. How can you go through this life and never be shaken? Is that something just for the elite? Is that something for the few? Or is that for every man and woman in this room? It's for all of us when we understand that our ancient boundary stones have been placed in, they've been put in pleasant places for us. This passage is talking about a literal inheritance. But church, we want you to be encouraged tonight that you become unshakable. You become immovable when you recognize that he is your portion and he is your cup and that he makes your goral golden. Amen. He actually turns your inheritance into something that's golden. Praise should be flowing from your mouth. Praise should be flowing from every man and every woman's mouth in this house. Going, I know where God has put me. See, it's far too many of us in the room that aren't, that we, I can hear the discussion. I, I don't really know where my boundary stones are. I, I, don't have, I don't have clarity on that yet. Well, let me encourage you on the big boundary stones that you have because you've been put here in this house. Let me give you some of your boundary stones. You need to be maximizing your marriage. You know why? Because that's the boundary stone that God has set in this house. Amen. You need to be perfecting your parenting. I don't know what I should be doing. I know exactly what you should be doing. If you're a single, we got you covered too. We're going to secure you guys too. What are we securing you to? We're securing you to your inheritance and to your ancient boundary stones. But pastor, I'm working on that, but I still don't have real clarity. Yeah, I know what you should be doing. You should be understanding that we are in the days of Jeremiah and God is setting you on an ancient path. You should have security, not be getting shaky, not letting your knees be be trembling because God has given it to you. You can't be shaken as long as you are trusting the one who has set your boundary stones. You don't need another job. Right, Rob? No jobs. No No extra finances. That's not what you're lacking. You need to trust in the one who has set your boundary stones. You know what this keeps us from? It keeps us from the boundary stones. It keeps us from comparison. Yeah. Isn't comparison really just being dissatisfied with the boundary stones that the Lord has given you? But they, but only, but if. I remember thinking that. I couldn't be any more confident in where God has placed me now. Amen. 
I want every one of you to have the same confidence that I have. Amen. I'm not looking for anywhere else to be. I don't need anything other than what God has provided for me, and it gives me great freedom. See, I remember a time in my life where I was like Psalm 73. My foot had almost slipped. I had almost lost my way. I was comparing myself to other people, and I was constantly, constantly, constantly in peril in my own heart until I considered the house of the Lord, until I realized where his boundary stones for me have been set, and I've never, never, ever wanted to go anywhere else when I really got a hold of this. And that's what we want you to have, to be able to trust in the one who has set your boundary stones. Doesn't that scripture define Pastor Sutherland? Doesn't Psalm 16 define the Sutherland household? You find encouragement just being around them with the security that the portion that God has given them is immovable. The Sutherlands carry with them a pastoral mantle that equips every single person in this room. It gives you the confidence and surety that you will reach your inheritance. That there is a patient endurance of working with you, discipling you, pouring into your life. That Pastor Wade and Christy will patiently cover the same thing multiple times to make sure that you get it. Isn't that a comfort? I mean, verse 8, this defines the Sutherland household and what it does for our church. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him in my right hand, I will not be shaken. I've seen pastor in some pretty turbulent situations, but I've never seen his knees knock. That's not because he was wearing baggy pants. I've never seen him shaken to the point of giving up. I've watched him and his family hold on to the inheritance that God has given them, and they have a character that will not quit. Have you benefited from that? Well, there's another scripture we want to share with you guys. Everybody go to Matthew chapter 3 and look at verse 13. Say ancient boundary stone when you get there. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Or for righteousness sake is why he did it. Years ago, there was a point in my life where I needed a revelation about an ancient boundary stone. An ancient boundary stone that Help me get and put into practice in a better way. The I need my brothers and my brothers need me. It's, it's a fantastic axiom. I mean, it's, it's scriptural. It's everywhere. And I received it from that axiom from the Lord many, many years ago. And I knew it here, but I had something warring with that ancient boundary stone. And that was my own self-sufficiency. I'm a very difficult person to help. I will put a hundred times more effort in helping than I will in letting someone help me. And I find that this scripture keeps coming back to me again and again and again. The Lord is reminding me, do not move this ancient boundary stone. I put brothers in your life because you need them. Not only do they need you, you need them to pour into your life. Well, we have some self-sufficient people in this room. I know you. I talk with you. I try to help you. And you need this same ancient boundary stone as well because you keep moving it over. And a pastor's got to move it right back. You need to swallow your pride and appearance that you're going to be weak if you ask somebody to help you. That is for the sake of righteousness that things are done in teams and in pairs. God's not looking for one superman or superwoman. He's looking for a radiant bride that is made up of many acting as one. 
I realized that I couldn't be full of my own self-sufficiency because really what I'm being full of is my own self-righteousness. But it's for God's righteousness sake that I need to swallow my pride and be available to help my brothers and also more so available for them to come help me. See, when we're looking at this, you know what's really combating? It's combating this comparison and competition. You realize comparison leads to competition. But it's a competition where it's a measuring of what you do or don't need from somebody else. So here's my allotment. Here's my boundary stone. This is what I have. Nobody else try to tell me what to do. Nobody else try to help me accomplish God's will in this boundary. Or I like what you have better, so I want to exchange it. Or maybe I just want to move my boundary stone a little bit further into your territory because I like what's growing on your side better than my side. Well, it really starts with this one little devilish thought. Now, where, is, where do I fit in? Where do I fit in within this church? I've been here. I've been transformed. I've been changed. The, my, my, my marriage is completely new. My parenting is being perfected. But where exactly do I fit in this body? Well, this is where it's a good point of discipleship because it's confronting insecurity for the purpose of making it more secure. That God is going to reveal the boundary stone, the ancient boundary stone of exactly how you fit in this body. Because it, it starts from a place of trust on your part that God put me here. Yeah. I cannot move that ancient boundary stone. God put me at LCM and I'm not going to negotiate with any other thought or idea. I'm going to trust that my king is going to show me exactly where I fit in this body. Come on, somebody say that's a good word. Anybody want to feel better and understand better your place in this body tonight? See, that's what we're aiming at. See, having an understanding of the ancient boundary stones is not going to limit you. It is not going to limit you. It's actually going to free you. Most people who think about an ancient boundary stone being confining, it's because they've never actually walked out everything that God has already assigned to them. They're thinking about standing there at the actual stone. Do you understand that what God has given you is the land, is the allotment, it's the inheritance that's marked by the stones? Do you understand that you can have freedom? What did God tell Abraham? Everywhere where you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Does that sound restrictive to you? No. no. What we can do tonight is get a hold of this. We can say, I am beginning to understand my place in this body. Man, I love this body. I love what's going on. But you have a place here. You have an assignment here. You have an allotment that you must engage in. Amen. Let's all turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at verse 4. It says this. There are different kind of gifts. And before you tune me out because you think you already know this. Act like it's the illusion of the first time. First audience. Think about this in light of the boundary stones that God has assigned to you. And what goes on inside of you on most any given day when we're talking about this church. There are different kinds of gifts. But the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Let me, let me translate this to you in light of what we're talking about. God has given you ancient boundary stones. And it is okay that your boundary stones are set up differently than your neighbor's. You can't move theirs and you can't move yours. Don't we often think about moving it to take more of our neighbor's land? What if your problem is not that you're trying to take more of your neighbor's land, but you're trying to take less of what God gave you? Oh, you hadn't thought about that, did you? God has given it to you here and you're like, that's not, that's just a little bit too much for me. I'm not quite comfortable with that. I think I'm comfortable with moving my boundary stone to here and changing God's ancient boundary stones 
for me. But see, it doesn't just change it for you. It changes it for the person that you're supposed to be working next to. It changes it for everyone. It changes it. Now there's a gap there. Now there's something that he's not supposed to go past and you're not going up to. God is going to help us tonight. He's going to help you to understand. Let's keep going. Now to each one. Uh, let me back up. I'm just going to do it. Verse 6. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone. Isn't that really what happens to our hearts and to our minds is you just think it's for everyone, but you kind of exclude yourself from the everyone. You're moving an ancient boundary stone and you're actually taking less than what God has given you. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for your own personal enhancement for the common good. Oh, you mean where you measure your ancient boundary stone impacts the people in this room? Yes. Yes, it does. To one, there is given the Spirit, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by, the one, by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. Woo. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongue. And still another, the interpretation of tongue. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. Listen to the next phrase. And he distributes them to each one just as the ancient boundary stones determine. God sets you here in this place. You might think that there's gifts that you want to have. Well, amen. Go earnestly desire the best gifts. But what he has given you, you must be able to walk in fully. What he is trying to do is stir up something on the inside of us that says no more comparison no more thinking too much or too little of myself, but rather walking in exactly what God has called me to do. There is such confidence. There is such a power when a man or a woman knows exactly what God has called them to. Your place in this body is important. Amen. I should have gotten a better amen. amen. Your place in this body is important. When you're thinking about moving your boundary stones for your advantage or even for your disadvantage, you are harming the common good. Church, you need to be crying out for these gifts to be at work in your life. You need to be crying out for more gifts to be at work in your life. But pastor, there's, there's people who do the prophecy thing. And there's people who do, you know, the worship thing. And I'm not really sure. I'm just going to be the nice guy in the back of the room. No, you need to be asking God and earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. You need to let a boldness rise up, not to try to walk in someone else's lane, but to get where you've been assigned and occupy the fullness thereof. Not leaving one square inch that you are not occupying. Your relationship to the boundary stones is a mile marker of your maturity. And we are developing a church that is maturing every single day. You've got to learn to trust the one who set your boundary stone. You've got to, you've got to learn to trust in that, Ray. You've got to learn to trust in that, Jenny. You've got to learn to trust in that, Nick. That what God has for you, Keith, that he has assigned it. And that satisfaction that we find from not even wanting or longing to move the ancient boundary stones that will make you exactly what you are to be. Not some other version that you're pining for, but an actual fulfilling God's call on your life. God sets each one of us in the body as it pleases him, just the way he wants it to be. In other words, he has assigned you your ancient boundary stone. And I promise you that it's in a good place and it's what we need for you to walk in. Saints, so turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Say ancient boundary stone to get there. I'm going to pick up in verse 32. Isn't that hitting your heart tonight when pastor is saying that there is more to live up to with the ancient boundary stone that God has set for your life? 
that we all need to strive to live up to the call that God is giving us, not to shrink back, not to step back from the ancient boundary stone because that's relocating it. Well, let me, let me encourage you with something. When you begin to step forward and grow and reach that boundary stone that God has set in place, that mezuzah, that family banner that he's given you, there's going to be some opposition. Just like there was opposition to Naboth. That he was growing in the field that God had given him. And there's going to be some satanic stratagems that try and stop you in that pursuit. But tonight we're here to encourage and empower you to let you know that you can be just like Naboth. You can have that same attitude that says, the Lord forbid that I give you the inheritance of my ancestors. We're going to hold on to our inheritance tonight. Hebrews 10, 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and get this joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. So what's the conclusion of facing that opposition because of the ancient boundary stones that you are pursuing? Verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence LCM. Do not throw away your confidence in God's ancient boundary stones that he has portioned for your life. It will be richly rewarded. It takes some time to get there, but it will be richly rewarded. Verse 36 says to us what we need to do. We need to persevere. We need to have an attitude that we will not give up the inheritance that God has given us. We will hold on to that inheritance. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, when is it done? When it's done. Yeah. When it has been completed in my life. When is my mezuzah done was probably the day that I'm dead because I can't do anything more after that. We're going to persevere until the very end. When you have done the will of God, you will receive. Say will receive. Will receive. Church, you will receive what God has promised you. Amen. Trusting in the one who has set your boundary stone enables you to reach the end of God's goal for your life. It enables you to reach the inheritance that God has given you. Ibrahim and Eve, I remember the dream that God gave you about standing in the fields filled with blood. And it would cover your garments as you walk through them. As you were bringing people back to the Father's heart. That is an ancient boundary stone. Don't give up on it. Don't relent from it. Don't let it be moved. Hold on to that inheritance and God's going to fulfill it. We are going to persevere. We're going to persevere until the end with trust grounded obedience. And we're going to have confidence tonight. We have confidence that God is going to complete what he has started inside of our hearts. And any destruction, any deterring from moving that ancient boundary stone, we're going to look at it square in the face and say, the Lord forbid. Come on now. Somebody say ancient boundary stones in this house. Praise God that he has assigned you exactly where you must be. Exactly what you must do. There is no ambiguity in what he's done. Listen to this out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 12 through 18. We'll put it on the screens for you. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. You ready for this? We don't dare to classify or compare ourselves with someone, with some who commend themselves. Listen to this. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. It is not wise to measure yourself by yourself. How are you doing? Well, I think, <laughs> I feel, I was, I was kind of contemplating no, see, this is where we go back to these ancient laws that determine and judge who we are and what we're doing. 
You know that you can do exactly what God says and the outcome be the exact opposite of what you thought that it would be? I thought the Lord told me to do this. Well, did he? Yes. But it didn't work out the way that I thought it would. That's you comparing, measuring yourself against yourself. Verse 13, we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting. Isn't that great? Confine your boasting to the field that God has assigned to us. Amen. I'm not going to boast about another man's field, but I get to boast about what God is doing here in this house, how he's building things into you, how he's encouraging you, how he's giving hope and how he is setting us tonight so that we understand that we need to walk to the fullness of what God has. Do you remember the story in Joshua 17 when they're like, yeah, this is not enough. This singular allotment is not enough. When you walk and you have occupied all that God has for you, if you're like, this is not quite enough because I'm growing, because, because what God is doing, then you can go get another. What did Joshua say? To us? He said, yeah, you guys are big and strong. Go, go, go clear some more land. Go do some more. I'm not saying that this is all that you have. I'm saying this is what God has given to you. Amen. Occupy it to the farthest limit. Occupy what God has given you to the farthest limit in your marriage with your kids where God has assigned you right now. Take it to the limit of what God has given you. Amen. I promise you that most of us fail because we never go that far and we think that our inheritance is too small. We think that our assignment is not worthy enough. We find all these things to keep us and we're just in a little bitty small path in a giant allotment that God has given I don't want that for you tonight. No. I want us to be able to see the Lord's commendation upon us because we had the faith and the understanding that we allowed the understanding of the ancient boundary stone to be tied to his inheritance in your life. And therefore, we never move it. We never lessen it. We never try to get more. But what we do is we stand firm and we allow God to give us the strength that we need to be able to. Anybody want some strength tonight to be able to carry out what God has for you? Then turn to our final scripture in Isaiah chapter 40. I know you guys need strength tonight. Because you're in ministry training classes. You're parenting small children below the age of five. You need strength tonight. Isaiah 40, 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He is the one before time and will be the one after time. The creator of the ends of the earth. Another way to say it, he is the creator of the ancient boundary stones of the earth. That he set its limits the limits of the sea, the limits of the land, the limits of the depths of the oceans, and the limits of the height of our atmosphere. He is the one who put every boundary stone that governs our every fabric of life. If he can do that for the earth and the heavens, how much more can he do it for you? What kind of power does our God lack? None. What kind of confidence should we have that our God has put our boundary lines in pleasant places? all confidence the verse continues he he will not grow tired or weary now put this in framework right you guys have busy weeks in fact those of you with a plethora of kids you have busy days and busy weeks and by the end of the day you get tired and you get weary think of just how active our god is on a constant basis how involved he is with every element of the universe. And he never tires and he never grows weary. What kind of resource do you have in your God who can empower and strengthen you to go to your furthest limits of the ancient boundary stones? You have all the might of heaven behind you. Why do you have a sad face? There's no reason at all there should be a joyful immovability that God has given me this. And I don't care how long it's going to take. The God who doesn't grow weary or tired is with me. 
He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. No one can find its farthest limits. That's how expansive and great my God is. And this is what he does for his people. He gives strength to the weary. He doesn't disqualify and kick out the weary. He gives strength to the weary. Oh, but it gets better, saints. He increases the power of the weak. You are striving with all your might to be in discipleship, to maximize your marriage, to be a secure single. Lord, I'm giving it all I got, and it's still not enough. The God of all heavens is with you. He's going to increase your power because you're giving all that you got. Do you want to hold on to your inheritance? Well, stand to your feet with me. God called you here to be here. And by being here, he is going to grow you into what you are called to be. That's a certainty. That's a confidence that I have because I've seen it displayed again and again for every man and woman that has stood their ground to hold on to their inheritance. Tonight, we want you to rally to the strength of your God and declare to him that he is the one that's given you strength. He is the one that's increasing your power. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to persevere. No more despair. No more depressed thoughts. No more wondering, where do I fit within this body? I'm taking a confident stand that I belong in this body. Come on, And amen. God's going to make my boundary stones clear of how all this plays out. I'm going to walk in trust, grounded obedience. I'm going to take that first step of saying yes to the covenant before I know all the terms. I'm going to walk with confidence that God will finish what he started inside of you and inside of me. I'm going to boast about the field that God has given me. Look, I got this one by one square little patch of garden right here, and I'm going to grow it to its fullest. That little patch is going to grow a hundred times what it's supposed to. I'm going to walk in a hope that God will complete his call, not only in me, but in those that I am discipling, those that I'm pouring my life into. I'm going to watch ministry multiply underneath my feet, just like it did for Abraham. That everywhere I set my feet as I'm walking in obedience, God is going to multiply the effects of it. And I am going to watch God commend me. And give me affirmation because I'm completely and wholeheartedly submitted to his establishment of his ancient boundary stones. Tonight, tonight's the night to increase your power. Tonight's the night to find strength because you're giving him your all. As we begin to pray, surrender every distraction. Surrender every competing thought that wants to be like a Jezebel and Ahab. And you say as with Naboth did, the Lord forbid that I give you the inheritance of my ancestors. Mighty God, we reach up our hands and our heads towards you. Your throne that's established above all thrones. And we say you are the God who gives strength to the weak. You are the God who increases the power to those who are weary. We trust that you will fill us with power right now. You will help us and persevere. You will help us complete what you have established. And Lord, you will give us the strength necessary to hold to your ancient boundary stones. We love you, Jesus and we praise you for your work in this church. Amen.